0: Welcome to the Core Kinetic Podcast. My name is Ben Cormack and I will be your host. The Core Kinetic Podcast aims to bring you clinically relevant information on topics throughout the clinical world. Also, some very, very special guests along the way, bringing you their expertise. We hope to deliver this with fun, flexibility and also some good solid old-fashioned evidence. Nothing in this podcast constitute medical advice but we hope you enjoy it anyway. So welcome to the Core Kinetic Podcast episode 10 and as usual I always do a little double take just to make sure that it is episode 10. I can never quite remember but I think it is. So this week or month or or whatever interval I've chosen for the podcast this time, um, I am joined by the wonderful Tanya Gardner, who is going to talk to us about um, her kind of area of research, which is goal setting. So hello, Tanya. How are you?
1: Hi, Ben. Uh, I'm good. Thank you for having me.
0: And so I suppose a really good place to start would be uh, just to give us a little intro to to let us know about who you are. Everyone knows who I am and that I talk way too much. So it'd be good to just get a little bit of background on you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a, a senior physiotherapist here in Sydney. Australia, So I work at St. Vincent's Hospital in the Department of Pain Medicine, um, as well as CRUFAD, which is our uh, research unit for anxiety and depression, where we develop uh, online programs. Um, So I've been involved in running pain programs um, and uh, consulting with pain patients through the Department of Pain and also um, involved in the development of our Reboot Online program, which is our uh, online pain management program. Um, through this way up um, at the hospital.
0: Yeah so Tanya I came across your research maybe about five or six years ago and I I distinctly remember a short paper that you published um, that was looking at kind of what therapists or clinicians measure in terms Mm. of outcome measures and then also uh, what seems to be important to patients in terms of their goals. And I remember what really struck me was that it really didn't seem to have much congruence or alignment Mm. that, you know, clinically, we were all taught to measure, you know, pain or range of movement or strength or joints above and joints below and all these other things that you remember doing in the mists of time back at university. And then, you know, there was this kind of here in black and white in this paper, was this idea that actually these things that we measure clinically don't really have much to do with what patients are looking to achieve. And it, I think it really sparked an interest in me that says, you know, these things probably need to have a little bit more congruence, alignment, that they need to, you know, meet in the middle somewhere. So um, could I suppose a great place to start would be kind of what what got you into this line of research in the beginning?
1: Yeah, so um, I guess I was always interested in um, patients' motivation. So, you know, I'd spent quite quite a few years as a physio um, trying to motivate patients. You know, I would advise them on what to do, what exercises to do, gave them lots of exercise programs uh, with my stick figures that probably went into the top drawer of their bedside table and weren't looked at again. So I was you know, I was getting quite frustrated with the patients, blaming the patients of, you know, I'm telling them what to do. I've got the the advice. I know what's best for them. Why aren't they doing uh, what I'm telling them to do? There's got to be something else um, that we can be doing. Um, So I was really interested in trying to find out how to motivate patients. Um, And then when I went to uh, do my PhD, had some great supervisors, uh, one who was um, an expert in in goal setting. Um, And uh, we started talking and we thought, well, maybe we'll give this a go and and see see whether it works with patients with chronic back pain. So that's how I sort of got into looking at goal setting. And um, as a physio, I wasn't really quite sure that it was going to work. I thought, well, yeah, I don't know, patients are going to want me to put my hands on them and do some manual therapy and some massage and give them an exercise program. So, uh, we'll give it a go, but I'm not quite sure whether it's going to work. But um, that's probably the biggest uh, discovery I made is that it actually uh, did work if you did it in the right way.
0: Yeah. So, I suppose that leads me into, I've got two questions here and hopefully they lead into each other. So, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna ask first. What do you actually think goal setting um, adds or brings to a clinical um, encounter? Because you know, from from my kind of you know dive into these type of areas, I'm not entirely sure sometimes that. It's not a little bit of, you know, just a, let's get a goal from a patient in the same way we might get a joint above or a joint below or a range of movement or, a you know, another strength measure. That it's just something that we can measure and we have it. And that's great. And it gets filed away and it never comes out again type of thing. So what do you what, what do you think? You know, wh- why? What's the what's the reason for goal setting? What does it add? What does it bring?
1: Yeah, so I think we need to probably premise that it needs to be patient-led goal setting. Okay, um, that was the model that that we looked at, um, and that really, I think, is the biggest difference between what we uh, researched and what's being done out in the real world. So we know that we know that clinicians are collecting patient, you know, patient goals, um, but when we actually stepped back and we actually started to look at what type of goals clinicians are setting compared to the type of goals that patients actually want to be working on. They're completely different. Um, So I think that's the first premise is that um, the goal setting needs to be patient led. So you need to be able to listen to the person with pain, um, listen to what's important to them um, and get them to work out what their goal is. Uh, and by doing that, we th- what we think is happening um, and what we proposed is that you're getting this intrinsic motivation. So patients will change their behaviour because um, they're moving towards a goal that's important to them or towards something that's of value to them. Um, so, for example, if we have someone come into the clinic and, you know, we set them a goal of increased quad strength and we give them exercises to do that, um, that's not going to mean anything to the patient. Um, And when I looked at all the patients that were doing or setting goals um, within my study, there wasn't one patient who set a goal of increased strength of the quadriceps or even decreased pain. So most people assumed that their goals would be to decrease their pain, but not one patient actually set a goal around uh, pain intensity, muscle strength, range of motion. And these are all the measures that we actually record. Um, and usually the treatment goal is based around those those measures. So I think what goal setting does is it engages the patient into uh, an activity that's important to them. Um, and that's sort of uh, triggering that motivation And that is what leads to that behaviour change, which is really what we're trying to do with patients with chronic pain is we're asking them to change their behaviour in some way so that they can manage their pain um, independently. Um, So I think that's probably the first thing that it does. Um, It does also change that power and that relationship between the clinician and the patient. Um, so the patient becomes the owner of their treatment and takes that ownership and they can move forward with that Um, and I think that's where it gets tricky particularly for clinicians because we're so used to being the person that's leading the treatment we have to learn to sort of step back and and give that that lead to the patient Um, and some Clinicians that I've spoken to have actually said, well, the patient doesn't know how to do that or the patient won't be happy with that. Um, and I actually didn't experience that and don't experience that with patients that I see um, in the clinic is uh, patients are actually quite capable of being the leader of, of their own life and being the leader of what their treatment is going to be. You as a clinician can be that coach and sort of guide them towards um, evidence-based strategies to get to their goal. Um, But it's really up to the patient to set the goal and even develop those strategies um, with you. So it's changing that power in the relationship. Um, But with that, you're also moving with them side, side by side. So you're giving that trust and confidence with them. So as they go to master those skills of setting goals, of um, the skills that they've required to develop, to reach those goals. As they're learning that and mastering that, we're giving them that confidence and that trust in them um, so they can sort of move through that confidently until they get that, I guess, increased self-efficacy, which we saw um, with the patients in our trials as well as that their self-efficacy improved. Um, So they've got that intrinsic motivation. Um, They then... Uh, get that master of skills and that self-efficacy, and then they can actually go away um, and and do what they want to do in their life. Um, and And that's a that's a great thing that we've left them with is those new skills and confidence. And we saw that all the uh, all the results that we got were maintained. Uh, for 12 months which was a real surprise um, to all of us we, we you know we were really happy that they improved during intervention but when they could maintain it for 12 months it really showed us that they learned those skills um, and maintained that confidence in them so i think there's a few sort of um, changes in terms of what it gives to to a clinical um, session um, and they're probably, you know, the main ones. Um, but it does require a change in, in how we approach it. So we have to, you know, change that power. We have to change the way that we communicate. And most importantly, we need to listen to the patients. We need to learn who the person is that, that we're treating, what's important to them. Um, and and explore all of those sort of levels. So we know with chronic pain, it's really complex. Um, it's not about a structure. It's not about a specific weakness um, in a specific muscle. It's usually a lot more than that. So we need to as clinicians be ready to explore all of those all of those layers. Um, and I think that's where you know working in pain, that's the type of skills that you you need to um, be ready to to practice as well.
0: Yeah I really like that idea of it being uh, more of a kind of a process almost so mm. it's not just about you know if i if i hear you correctly and you know i uh, uh, from from my own experiences maybe it's not just about the end result of getting a goal maybe it's actually about a process of getting to know someone empowering someone uh, and that's really really powerful and i think we probably mm. undervalue the process of going through that of discovery, of actually saying, who is this person? Um, And I I think that's really nice. And I think that's probably, maybe that's a way that we can move people away from, you know, just this idea that goal setting is to get this function that I can stick on a Mm. piece of paper, that it's actually about the process of, uh, of communication, the process of therapeutic alliance, and all these other things. So I, I think that's, that's really good. But another thing that, you know kind of resonated with me there is the idea of the of the kind of clinical assumption you know my mm. my patient's goal is to get rid of their pain so therefore mm. I'm going to do this intervention to get rid of their pain do you think there's there is a little bit of assumption that goes on sometimes
1: Ah, uh, there's a lot,
0: <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> all right well I was trying to be diplomatic there Tanya <laughs> and you've just gone straight in there but that's fine <laughs>
1: Yeah, look, and that's what you know what our, our research showed is that um you know that the most common measures we take are range of motion pain and muscle strength because that's as clinicians is, is what we think is important. Um and that's what we can you know remeasure and we can use that um to prove that our intervention is is uh is working. But you know, if the patient can't if their goal is to maybe play with their grandchildren, um, if they can't go on and play with their grandchildren, their range of motion and strength doesn't matter. It's it's about what the patient wants and has it been um, you know an improvement for the patient's life and what they want to want to be doing. Um, so I think um, there is a lot of assumption, um, and I think that's because it's our safe. You know that's where we feel comfortable measuring something um you know is our comfort zone we don't want to go somewhere that um, maybe we're a little bit unsure of so uh, let's just stick with what we know um and and then we can um and then we don't go anywhere with it so um yeah I think we need to be ready to explore all of those layers of a person because that's who we're working with we're, we're going into that that person's space and uh, I think we need to um really respect that um and it's um you know, we're quite lucky to to be allowed into that person's space. So let's try and understand where we are and, and where that person wants to go and, and help them towards that.
0: Maybe that's a way of selling goal setting to clinicians is that it's not just about eliciting goals. It's actually about, it, you know, actually about that exploration because I think we, we talk a lot about this. It's about the person. Let's get to know the person. Mm. But I think there's still a gap between doing that And, you know, saying that and doing that. And actually, I think goal setting might be a really, really nice way to actually do some of that exploration. It gives us a tool to be able to sit down and do that.
1: Yeah, I think it gives you that framework that yeah, um, clinicians like. Yeah, that they like, you know, something s- structural um, that they can sort of feel safe within um, and then you can go and explore what that person wants. Um, and look, we know that clinicians aren't confident with with that exploration, um, but that's, you know, because we haven't really done a lot of training in it. So, um, you know, I know physiotherapists don't do a lot of uh, training and skills-based work in terms of that exploration of that person, communication and listening, like listening is just so important when you're with a, with a patient or a person.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you, you touched on a really nice word there, which was framework, because I think clinicians are always looking for some kind mm-hmm. of framework to work within, because otherwise it probably okay. just feels a bit crazy, a bit random, not scientific, Um, But in essence, working with human beings isn't always uh, linear and scientific and perfectly, you know, definable and measurable and things like that. So, you know, I I think that that's a a really good takeaway that that maybe goal setting isn't just about that single goal that you come away from, come away with. Sorry. It's actually about this process where you're able to, you know, it's a tool almost Mm -hmm. to get to know about this person's life and what's important to them. Um yeah, and maybe absolutely. that's a great way of selling it to clinicians I don't know I'm, I'm going to try that next time that I do. Yeah
1: no I haven't I haven't thought of selling it that way so um so yeah I, I like that idea of of using yeah that framework idea so uh yeah let's uh let's see how that works
0: Yeah well I'll try it'll probably bomb like every other idea that I have I try oh, I it out give it, a go. It, it always collapses Um you know, I think there's one more thing that I I, I find really interesting that I wanted to discuss in, in this kind of area, which is, you know, we, we come back to the idea of of I think clinicians, you know, they there can be this assumption that goals are to do with pain. My patient wants to get rid of pain. And then there uh, I find also a lot of goal setting is very functional related. It relates to mm-hmm. function and activity. Is the real truth of it you know, in truth being a very loose word, is it often a bit of a mixture of all of it?
1: Uh, It's absolutely a bit of a mixture. And that's where it gets a
0: bit messy, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, that's the the messy bit that um, most of us don't like. So we found with um, all the patient goals um, that only 50% of the patient goals were activity-based. And within that, there was no goal... Relating to a specific exercise, so there was no goal in terms of you know increase quadriceps strength. Um, it was there was more functional, um, but it was more uh, to do with recreational activities um, rather than any sort of specific exercise that physios would uh, traditionally uh, sort of uh, prescribe. So, um, so that was interesting that only fifty percent were activity based. So that meant that the goals that I was working Uh, with the patient, um, only half of them were activity-based and the rest of them were either related to uh, work issues, sleep issues, relationship issues, um, mood mood management. Um, There was a whole range of them. Um, And so each patient as well usually had at least two or three different goals from different um, sort of domains of goals. So one might have been an activity-based one, um, but the Next goal would have been a relationship one, so we sort of had to work on lots of different levels, even um, across with one patient. So it was very varied, um, and you you couldn't you couldn't pick um, you know you couldn't pick a pattern with it. Um, so you really had to be open to to looking at all of the different domains um, that came up.
0: Yeah, I mean, which if you think about it, we discuss you know pain is this multidimensional experience, and you know all these other things that kind of uh, we're told, Uh, and that makes then complete sense that the goals Mm. around pain or around life and pain would be more than just an activity or more than just pain. You know, obviously pain has a huge effect, especially if it's persisting on on people's existence, and existence isn't just an activity. It isn't just, you know, one area that that I think, you know, we we probably don't, you know, I think personally, And, and, you know, I'm fine if for that to be kind of only my personal thing. But I certainly think that, you know, we have to start to understand that goals are going to be more than just an activity or more than just Mm. pain. They're going to relate to, as you said, different areas, different domains, emotion, relationship, um, these type of things. And, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, it could be that with goal setting, sometimes it's like someone wants to. To get that across, but it's like, no, you have to pick an activity.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen, I've seen it happen. You know, a patient might say, um, you know, my goal is to be able to go out with my friends. Um, and then the physio writes down the goal for uh, for that treatment was to increase their walking tolerance, um, because that's what the physio was set on set on doing. So, one, they didn't listen to the patient, and two, they just set their own agenda. Um, and so straight away you've got this mismatch between the patient and the clinician um, and the patient doesn't feel listened to and the physio is probably going to be frustrated because that walking tolerance hasn't changed um, probably, most most probably. Um, but what was interesting with all the goals that we did and, and working on all those different goals is that in the end uh, we actually found that their pain intensity reduced. So it wasn't just the patients working on activity that improved Um, but it was across the board. So sort of dealing with those stressors and those um, issues that were important to the patient actually helped to to settle down um, the pain or the perception of pain. So that was really interesting for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I think another area that I see a little bit of conflict with with goal setting is that I don't know if we always measure the right thing. So I think sometimes, you know, we, we're trying to attain a goal to reduce pain. And mm-hmm. I, I see a tiny bit of a mismatch there because I think that actually the focus of the goal should be to achieve the goal. Yeah. But if we're yeah. measuring that on, if we're measuring the, the efficacy of that by reducing pain, have we got a slight mismatch there sometimes? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it was just an interesting point, I think. I think. Yeah. In terms of achievement, goal achievement, they all achieve their goal. So, because um, we we measured that as well, um, but we weren't expecting any change in pain intensity because right. most interventions we don't see that. Um, so it was just really interesting to to see that that had happened, and then try and work out well why did we think that sort of happened? Why did that pain intensity? Um, reduce and perhaps it was because they were re-engaging with things that were valuable to them um, and they're enjoying life a little bit more That perhaps they had less fear so we know that their fear reduced as well Um, so I think you you can't you can't do that linear sort of connection between efficacy in terms of pain intensity Um, I think it's much more complex than that
0: I, th- I think that's the danger sometimes of the way that we measure mm. things and research things. It's like you achieved your goal, but that didn't get rid of your pain. So therefore, this process yep. was a failure. Yeah. Whereas actually, yeah. if we look at it from the, from the perspective of goal attainment, if, we, if we're measuring that, then we would say that it was a success. If it doesn't get mm. rid of your pain, does that matter? Uh, I suppose you'd have to ask the person experiencing it, but I still there's just this mismatch that goes on in my brain that we aren't we shouldn't just focus on goals to get rid of pain. We should focus on goals because no. they matter and they mean something.
1: Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, and I think that's what you know we fall into. Even um, you're know, not just in research, but with you know health services as well is that we yeah. have these KPIs that yeah. you know, well, this service is able to you know get these outcomes. Um, And if they don't get those outcomes in that service isn't valuable, actually, um, you know, if we just looked at at, um, their goal attainment or the improvement in life or values, um, then maybe uh, we'd have sort of a better judgment of of what we were doing. Um, But that's a huge, a huge change to put in.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and again, I, I think it comes, it's systemic, isn't it? It comes back mm. to the systems that we work in, or we re, that are researched within. So, you know, your your traditional outcome measures of pain or disability, or you know, these kind of big primary outcome measures that we have that are that, that are you know that that have to be used because they fit in the system. But in yes. this situation, I think sometimes they may miss the point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And and I think that was my frustration. I think that's why I wanted to have a look at the goals and outcome measures and see how they correlated. Um, just to put it out there and sort of say, well, you know, this is great. You know, we, we're collecting the measures because that's what the research world mm. wants. Um, but we need to be careful about how we interpret them and whether, you know, it's really judging whether that treatment's been effective or not because um, it really is up to the patient and, and whether they, what they're getting from it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that sometimes we don't judge, you know, that again, something like a minimal clinical important difference, mm. difference, you know, is getting towards what matters to a patient. But it still isn't really there, is it? It isn't Yet at the no. end of it yep. saying, you know, we still haven't sat down with someone and said, what difference did this process or program make to your life? We've just yep. stolen some numbers and, and said, this is the proof.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, that's, that's the issue with um, those objective measures is that people aren't objective, they're not black and white. We just need to accept that, you know, people, human beings are just a little bit more colourful than than that, and there's a lot more layers that we need to be including.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, that uh, that can obviously just be very tough to, to do, mm. you know. So we should yeah. we should also That's appreciate great. that that kind yeah. of thing as well. So, what were the biggest lessons that you felt that you learned from from your your research into into doing all this? What mm. were some of the things? What were some of the moments that you had where you thought, ah, aha, eureka!
1: Yeah, um, well, I think that it works, that patient-led goal-setting works. Um, I, you know, I was, when at the beginning of it, I, I wasn't sure whether it would. Um, I was quite cynical about it being, you know, a physio and um, surely they, they want more from me. But, um, so I think I was even surprised with how, you know, the results went. So, yeah. Um, so that was sort of the biggest thing. But the patient-led component, I think, was really what nailed it. It was that we really need to give the patients the lead um, and, and let them learn um, how to self-manage and we can be there to, to help them along the way. But we need to change that um, that power between the clinician and um, and the patient. So that was the biggest one. Um, and also that goal setting isn't simple. So... Um, yeah. <laughs> It's really complex Um, and we have some theories on on why it might work Um, and that's, you know, that self-determination theory where people get that intrinsic motivation um, and also self-efficacy theory so people improved in their self-efficacy so they're more likely to keep on uh, doing those strategies. Um, But, um, yeah, it is quite complex. Um, So so that was another sort of aspect from it. Um, and I think the uh, another one was the the goals were just so different to to what I had been setting in you know my previous sort of experience as a physio, and that you know I think as clinicians um, those, those assumptions I guess um, weren't weren't so uh, clear when we started looking at what patients actually wanted. So um, again, I think that's just reinforced the need for us to listen to the patients and let the patient um, sort of lead us in the way that they need or they want to be going
0: yeah and again it comes back to that you know maybe at the beginning of a session if that's when you choose to to kind of do this process it's a way of saying to people you know this we're here for you that 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 this is you know it's again it's more than just the goal that you get it might be Mm. the process is going to define the relationship which again Absolutely. might lead to a to a better relationship. But what I really like there is the way that you went into it with a kind of anti-bias and it changed your mm-hmm. mind. Yeah. Because I think, you know, often things are researched because I have a bias that they're gonna work. <laughs> and you kind of yeah, did the yeah, opposite. That yeah. was no, it was and, it was, and yeah. that's brilliant. That that really is the process or that should be the process, shouldn't it? That yeah. you know, yeah. the, the science shows the cynic and and and, mm. and that's the magic of, of research i think i really like that i think that's brilliant
1: um, yeah now it seems good
0: uh, yeah and I, I i think that you know that that needs to happen more doesn't it you know i i, I you know i went into it thinking that this wasn't going to work and you know and the and the data or the process proved me otherwise which is which yeah. is fantastic
1: you, i think you always learn from that as well so you know i always say to People starting out is, um, you know, if if you don't get the the results that you thought you were going to get, that's okay because you're still you're learning from that. So um, you're never not learning from from research or you know trialing something. You're always going to learn from it. So um, so that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and I, in my career, I think I've been through lots of different stages, like biomechanical stages and all these yeah. things. And I think that along the way, one of you know, even though I don't always agree with these things, I understand them, and I understand them better. And I think that to actually move away from something, you have to understand it sometimes, rather than yeah. just dismiss it. And I think that so I think there's always value in in the process of of learning and changing your mind and learning new things. It's not that you have to agree with everything. Maybe the process of disagreement is is powerful is the process of agreement sometimes
1: yeah absolutely yeah and we need to be open to that and i think you know as um as a clinician or just as a human being we're always growing and learning Um, so i've been in the game for quite a long time and you know my practice has changed over the decades so um, you have to always be open to that learning and and um and questioning as well so you know question what you're doing um, and and understand it
0: hold those beliefs loosely, even if you've mm. spent thousands of dollars on them.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and really I think, you know, as pain physios, we're asking patients to change their beliefs. Um, so we need to, you know, have that fluid ability and that cognitive sort of flexibility as well. So um, that's only going to be a helpful thing, I think, just for life in general, let alone uh, for, you know, what you're doing in, in clinic.
0: See, look, this isn't just about goal. These these are life lessons we're, we're doing here, aren't we? We should, we should charge for this, Tanya. We should, you know, <laughs> we should do some kind of, this is life coaching. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, I think one of the things that I hear a lot from clinicians is that goal setting seems to be more about persisting or chronic pain. Do you mm-hmm. think that goal setting is valid? So, it, it, you know, based on our conversation, I you know, maybe goal setting isn't just valuable for persisting pain patients. Maybe it's mm. valuable for the for the for for much more than that.
1: Absolutely, I think any um, any person who needs to change their behaviour, um, you know, for, whether it's in health or whether you know, goal setting is used across so many different industries, and a lot of the research is actually more on uh, workplace goal setting and. Um, and education. So that's where a lot of the goal setting research sort of lies. But um, I think with any particular chronic disease management, if you sort of, if there's somebody who needs to change your behaviour, goal setting is going to um, be a great sort of tool uh, to use to, to get them, you know, focused on what they want to do, um, and then help them along the way to to achieve that. So um, yeah, we show that it worked with chronic back pain, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that it would work across um, a whole range of um, of sort of populations.
0: I, I think you hit the, the nail on the head there when you talk about behaviour change. Because, you know, it might be that an overuse running injury mm. is behaviour change related or behaviour related. So, yeah. you, you know, maybe maybe it's, it's also about, sometimes it's not that we can't get people motivated. Maybe it's, mm. we need to actually you know demotivate some people or get them to stick to a plan better or, or something like that
1: yeah so change them to a different sort of path of yeah. behavior so um you know and that's hard i mean it's hard for all of us so you know i i know that um you know eating lots of chocolate and uh sweet stuff is not good for me but it doesn't mean just because i know that um that i'm going to change my behavior so yes. you know we need to not just educate and i think that's where we've sort of moved from is that we, you know, it was all about education and if we just tell people about what chronic pain is that they're going to change their behaviour but we know that didn't work. Um, So this is giving them that next step. So I think the education is giving you that foundation where you can start to allow beliefs to shift um, and that allows them to then move forward with behaviour change Um, and the goal setting is I think where that sits um, is that you're sort of helping them with that behaviour change. Um, Aspect of things, so um, we can all sort of use that in terms of changing what we do.
0: Yeah, and and my and and my personal thing, my personal crusade at the moment. I have to have a bit of a personal crusade to intrinsically motivate me. I think (laughs) you know, it is it is kind of moving from this idea of of goal setting, not not moving from it. Sorry, that's you know probably the wrong terminology. But how can we enhance goal setting? is it's not just about setting a goal it's not just about giving people information but it's also about providing a way of implementing that and i think that you know if you if you stop people in the street everyone knows you should exercise you know mm. whether, if you stop someone if you stopped a hugely obese person in the street and said to them is exercise good for you i suspect they would say yes because, mm-hmm. because that's what we know from these big messages. If you had someone smoking away on a on a on a fag outside a pub, you would stop them. You'd say, "You know, is smoking bad for you?" I doubt they'd say, "You know, no." Right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows smoking's bad for you, but it, there's also an action component, isn't there? You yeah. know, and I, and I also think that's probably, from my perspective, where where the next you know the next part of of where this needs to go
1: yeah i think goal setting gives you um that focus of, of where you want to go um and um i think then with that you then you know get the skills of, of learning how to how to get there along the way and that's where clinicians come in we you know we do have the knowledge and the skills and in the strategies to get towards those goals, and what's you know what's going to be realistic and safe for the patient to do, um, but it needs to be where the patient wants to go, and, and I think that's the the biggest difference between what we looked at and what's being practiced. Um, and if I think that's probably the biggest message to get out there.
0: Cool. So you, I know that you've done a lot with smart goals. So smart mm-hmm. goals was kind of where you where you you focused in your research um what do you kind of think about other goal setting um methods or tools that are out there
1: look i think any goal setting that gives the patient the lead is going to work Um, you know a smart goal gives us a bit of framework um, because you know we like that framework we like to have something to follow Um, and smarts SMART goals are great in that way. Um, I have a a bit of an issue with um, the A and the R because often a lot of people will say um, that it's, you know, supposed to be um, achievable and realistic. Well, those two words really mean the same thing. It needs to be achievable and relevant. So I think people don't forget about that R or the relevant um, and I think that's the most important sort of component to it. Um, so, some yeah, you know, I think some frameworks work if you uh, if you sort of follow the right the right one. But um, I don't think it matters whether you follow a smart goal per se, or whether you just um, you know get the patient to write down what a goal is and, and get the patient to to think about it and and decide on that. I think that's what the important aspect is with goal setting.
0: Yeah, and I think that's. It, you know that that word that's come up a few times that we've used which is framework
1: and mm. and that's
0: the real tricky part isn't it it's having enough of a framework to make it usable to make it you know something that we can actually do without stifling stifling the kind of creative aspect of the process
1: yeah yeah and i think um i think that's probably what while we like this, you know, the frameworks so is it gives us something solid to, to hang on to. Um, but we've also got to be, you know, that flexibility and iron creativity, if you want to call it that, to allow that patient to go wherever they need to go. Um, and yeah, sometimes I think the the smart can can be a little bit stifling for patients. So, um, you know, let's just get them to write down what they want to get to and um, you know, we don't have to be so prescriptive in terms of, um, you know, the SMART acronym. Um, but we haven't tested that out, so that could be another little research well, project to do.
0: I mean, again, I, I think one of the reasons why people probably struggle with goal setting is because people, are, you know, people respond to it in very, very different ways. You might have one patient who wants to give you, you know, 100 million goals in 1,000 mm-hmm. areas And it can, you know, it's almost overwhelming. And then Mm -hmm. you might have another patient who just looks at you blankly like, I -hmm. have no idea what you're talking about. I've never thought about it. I've never considered it. And, again, I think a framework's good, but it has to be flexible enough to allow us to to deal with both ends of those spectrums. And I'm I'm sure you've encountered both ends of those spectrums.
1: Absolutely. So, um, you know, that happens on a daily basis. (laughs) Um, But that's where, you know, I think that's where your communication skills come in. Um, and that's you know you, you've got to have the skill to um, to hone in those patients that want to you know tell you their whole story and tell you every single goal that they've got in their head. Um, and then there's other patients where you're having to pull pull it out a little bit more and that's yeah. you know that's that interpersonal skill and communication yeah. skill um and that's I think that's a whole nother, sort of uh, podcast for you to to talk to someone
0: yeah. about but oh above that's my really pain.
1: important that's yeah that's um that's part of goal setting and successful goal setting is being able to sort of um dance with the patient i guess yeah. you know yeah. wherever their space is you need to move with that and you know move them to you know you've got to set some goals um, and get them to prioritize it was really it was really quite simple it was just ask them how their back pain affected their life um, and that's it. I didn't. You don't have to ask what the goal is, and you know what areas would you want to change, um, and then prioritize them, and then off you go. You've got some goals.
0: Yeah. Um. Absolutely. I, you know. I think that that I, again, a really that's a really nice way to phrase it is the idea of of kind of a dance that you do with someone, mm. and sometimes that dance is about listening and trying to pick out pieces of information and then kind of follow up on that. And then for other people, that dance is actually, you know, that, that you're asking more questions, Mm. you know, and I think that again, sometimes, you know, it's a bit of a buzzword, you know, listening with patients, you know, you need to listen to patients and that's great, but there are times clinically when, you know, there's just nothing coming back and you have to be able to, 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 to elicit some information as well.
1: Yeah, and but I would say that the patient's always giving you even if they're not verbally telling you things, they're telling you things in regard, you know, through their body as well and their postures, not answering some questions is going to tell you something um, agree, yeah. about that person. So um yeah, I would say you can always pick those cues up um, if you are sort of open to them and, and ready to to receive them. So, um, so and,
0: you, you mean kind of people, you know, they look uncomfortable and, and you know, those, those, those kind of cues that you might get?
1: Yeah, yeah. So their emotional response as well is another one. Um, you know, you ask a certain question and that will elicit a certain emotional response. So, you know, um, you'll, you'll sort of learn from that as well, um, whether that's a negative or positive thing in their life or, yeah, it's picking up all of that, um, all of that space. Yeah, um, and and that's that therapeutic alliance and that communication skills that I think is so important, um, but difficult to put, put in words. I think sometimes.
0: Yeah, uh, oh, I mean, I don't. I think some of it, you know, is intuitive as a human being. Sometimes some mm. people are just really, yeah. really good at it. You know, and I, I mean, I suppose that's why people have good relationships and bad relationships. Some people are very good on picking up on other person, other people's emotions and being able to to navigate that you know and then yeah. other people are you know very unemotional both themselves and towards other people as well yeah absolutely um, but sometimes i think being a clinician is actually about you know almost if you approach it too scientifically it's about taking away emotion isn't it sometimes if you if you yeah. think about kind of objective medical decisions and you know yeah. i'm i'm disregarding all this information to get to this information that's relevant to the pathology you know, and yeah. again, we're kind of talking about exactly the opposite.
1: Yeah, yeah. And look, you know, um, we're not working in, in an acute situation where the patient is in danger. Um, you know, that works, that, you know, that sort of scientific biomedical model works really well in that instance. Yeah. But when we're working in chronic disease um, and chronic different populations that have got chronic uh, lifestyle um, changes that they need to do, um, then we need to go into that space um, that the patient is in um, and we need to be ready to explore that. And you're right, you need to, as a clinician, you need to, I think, be psychologically informed about your own self and then be open um, to what the, the patient's giving. But it's not easy. That's not easy work um, and it can. Um, that can, I think that's where a lot of clinicians don't want to go because they're not feeling confident to go there Um, but I do think I really, that's one of my passions I guess is is that clinicians need to sort of be open to to really listening and and seeing the patient or seeing the person um, in front of them rather than the patient um, or the back or the elbow or the shoulder, you know, that sort of biomedical focus has to go out.
0: You're making my life difficult here, Tanya. Not oh, now suddenly I have to use my emotions as well. I'm a man, I don't <laughs> have any emotions. They were driven oh, out. You do, years you ago. do.
1: You've just got to get comfortable with them.
0: <laughs> oh, this is getting deep. I'm not I'm not sure I feel comfortable with this, Tanya. I'm afraid. You know, my I don't want my emotions coming out. What if someone sees them?
1: <laughs> well, and what if someone sees them? Yeah. But you know, I don't like I think, I'm very
0: uncomfortable. Yeah,
1: I know. I know. That's okay. That's all right. We'll all we'll get
0: there. <laughs> it's a problem. I mean, look. After I mean, when I stop recording, I mean, this session could go on for ages, couldn't it? I mean, it's uh, <laughs> turned me? into something else. It's you know, I, a I,
1: therapy I, session. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to ask you one one final question. And I, um, what what do you think the future of goal setting looks like to you? What's the next mm-hmm. steps? What's the what's the you know things that that yeah. you think should emerge from this?
1: Um, I think. You know, I think goal setting. When we ask clinicians, people clinicians think it's important. Um, but I think the next step is to actually teach them the process. The you know the process that works. So the goal setting that we've done in the past hasn't really worked, and we know that's because it hasn't been patient led. Um, So I think the next step is to sort of get the message out there that it needs to be patient-led and teach that process um, and teach all of these skills that the clinician needs um, to allow that to occur. Um, So I think that would be um, the next step. Um, And, of course, there's always a lot more research that we could be doing with different populations, um, you know, different settings. Um, So we did, you know, it was primary care. Um setting, So you know, would this work in a tertiary care pain clinic where the population is a little bit different in regards to cognitive and emotional uh, function? So um, I think with research there's always more that we could be doing.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I think goal setting is more than picking up a piece of paper and writing down you know, a, a mm. goal, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that it needs to be kind of built into the fabric of 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 what we're trying to do. Because ultimately, that's the point, isn't it? Is that yeah, you want definitely. to find out why this person has, has come to see you. Now, you can assume, mm. you can just say, because they want their pain go, to go away. Mm. Um, mm. And that's, a, you know, an easy assumption to make. And it might sometimes be a true assumption to make. But at the same point, mm. there probably is a deeper layer to it than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is, and I think, um, um, you know, a lot of the time working with pain patients in the pain clinic, um, a lot of the time we don't talk about pain, um, so that's always an interesting sort of, you know, at the end of the day, I think, well, I haven't really had to talk about pain, I'm talking about everything else that's, you know, distressful for this patient um, and whether that's, you know, a, that they can't go for a walk and then, you know, we can talk about that, or it might be something else that's going on. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think that's what we need to be looking at. Which is kind of
0: fascinating in the, in the way that over the last few years, it's kind of talking about pain is meant to have a big effect on pain. Mm, <laughs> but then you, yeah. as you just said, having all these people in front of you in this situation of having pain, maybe they're not talking about pain, which I think is probably a fascinating insight for for pain explainers sometimes to, to appreciate and to think about
1: yeah yeah yep yeah. um and you know it was just it, yeah it's just interesting how there's more things that are important to the person than the actual pain um and it's and it's more, more likely just the distress and the stress of those other things that is actually increasing that experience of pain yeah um, and maybe we need to to look at that.
0: Well, that definitely sounds like a whole other podcast. When I've mm. finished my therapy with you, maybe in about <laughs> five or ten years and I'm fully rehabilitated and emotional, uh, we we can we we can do another one. <laughs>
1: well we can set some long-term goals there and we'll be all right.
0: What for me to become like a fully functioning emotional human <laughs> being?
1: Yeah, we've got to be realistic and <laughs> achievable.
0: Well, there we go. I'm glad we were, we were able to, to set some realistic aspects. Can I I've just become 50% of a fully functioning emotional human being?
1: <laughs> oh, I, we're all struggling. With yeah.
0: Well, look, Tanya, I, I, you know, thank you so much for your insights and, and your research and coming on and kind of um, sharing that with us. I've learned a whole bunch of stuff today. So, so thank you very much. And, you know, thank I look you. forward to more stuff from you in the future
1: yeah absolutely and thanks again for uh, for having me
0: no worries so that is episode 10 done and dusted um i'm sure you found that enormously valuable uh, as i did and please keep listening you have been listening to the core kinetic podcast thank you for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you next time